Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Welcome to episode two of Rugby World Cup Weekly, our flagship weekly World Cup show from France 2023. Join me tonight, our young and middle-aged English, Welsh and South African fans. Firstly, we're joined by a returnee in Pirate Rugby podcast host, Hugh Griffin. So welcome back, Hugh. Thank you for having me back, mate. And pleasure to be here. Always good to have you on. We, we also have two debutants to the channel here tonight and joining us all the way from South Africa. We're joined by YouTuber extraordinaire, Rian Lowe. So welcome, Rian. Uh, thanks for that intro. Glad to be here. It's good, good to have you. It's a good way to start Art in South Africa week anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> and also join us from England is Mr. Will Roberts. So welcome on, Will. Hello, mate. Uh, good, to, good to be on. Excited to talk about this, uh, what's been an exciting week of rugby. It really has. Eight pulsating games, but as... I should give the disclaimer, we've covered Ireland against Tonga in a a prior podcast on the feed, so that won't get ran over, but the other seven games from the week gone by will. And uh, we we have to start with, the I suppose, the hands-down game of the week, which came as Eddie Jones' Australia were down by Fiji, 22-15 in San Etienne. And I suppose we we probably all have something we want to say on this one. It was a momentous game, momentous victory for for the flying Fijians. But I'll start with yourself, Ryan. Like an incredible win, but the manner of how Fiji did it, that was so impressive. The the game management that we thought they had lost with Caleb Munts out injured ended yeah. up being what got them over the line. Yeah. Um I I was sitting uh thinking about it today and I thought to myself, if you close your eyes and if I describe you this team, a dominant pack, good kicking game, uh menacing breakdown threat that Stops attacks, wins turnover penalties, and then a kicker who can go for posts and get you three points every time. Who would you be think I'd be describing in a match like this? You would think it'd be Australia, right? But it's it's so weird to think now. And it's almost not even a surprise that it's Fiji 
that were the team that looked more professional, more experienced, and just more up for it. it uh, I really enjoyed the way they went about the game, kept their cool when the pressure was on near the end, and just whatever Australia threw at them, they were able to stop it. It was a brilliant, brilliant watch. Absolutely, and there was there was star performers left, right, and center. And uh, mm-hmm. I suppose when you when you watch a game like that, and it's easy to be to drawn into the all oh, the Fiji skills and handling, and you know you take the last five minutes against Wales, for example, of of what they can do, but still they they had to grind it out. They had to they had guys. Um, you know, you look at their back row, the incredible talent they have across the back row. You're coming up trumps at the breakdown, completely outclassing Australia. And it's yeah. it's kind of one of those performances as a position group that makes you stand up and take notice, isn't it? It's yeah. an issue. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go. <laughs> uh, I, I was just I was just going to back up what you were saying, really, Ryan, mm. because um, I, I find I do find it incredible that we're talking about uh, a, an excellent Fiji performance that had uh, one try uh, off the back of a box kick. I mean, uh, th- th- that is that is the sort of game that we're talking about, and and it, it is so, dare I say, unorthodox of Fiji. But 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 should that be the taking that we're we're getting out of this, or are they are they really playing to the strength of a of a knockout tournament? I mean, that that would be my sort of taking from from, from that game. Absolutely, Rian, are you going to jump in there? Yeah, you were talking about the breakdown that they were beat beating Australia up at the breakdown and obviously um, the box playing Australia more regularly and having played them this year already and and over the last few years it's been an issue they've had like three rucks or phase three they just they do not have guys cleaning up the ball and whenever they get four or five meters away from a ruck and and there's a carry there's a breakdown steal happening against them they just do not get their cleaners and with guys like Botia in in your team, he's going to have a field day just getting over that ball and and taking the ball from you all all day long. Absolutely, and you you are left to wonder. And a lot of people made the joke, or, or comment, be a joke or otherwise, that if only they had one of their best number sevens of all time available, <laughs> and he is he's doing punditry down in Australia, which is remarkable. But I suppose you you're you're a Welshman. You're looking on delighted for Fiji. Of course, you covered Fiji in our preview podcast. But as a Welshman now, you look at these two teams and you're you're thinking Wales have a really good chance to top the pool from here and Fiji have a great chance to come out in second place. And if you'd said that before the tournament, if you said that a year ago, people would have laughed at you. Australia have never knocked me out of the pool and now they have to beat Wales on Sunday to have any chance. Yeah, it makes it a lot more nerve-wracking for, from my point of view. I was watching that game and thinking... God, thank God we don't have to play Fiji again. I, I'm I'm really overplaying Fiji. <laughs> I have to say that they really beat you up. I think, yeah, from Australia's point of view, unprecedented. I, I think the the decision to sack Dave Rennie is a potential to aid age like milk by the time this tournament comes over, because I think it was a hail mary from uh, Rugby Australia to get Eddie Jones in, thinking, ah, well, this guy's a World Cup specialist. His thing is World Cup, so we can't afford to not have him if he's available because he could turn the ship around. And it's obviously not working out like that one win from how many games is it now? Seven? One win in seven for Eddie Jones. And that was against a Georgia team that I think underperformed quite a bit um, in their game. I think if Georgia played that game twice more, they'd win one of them, is my controversial opinion. Um, But yeah, uh, Wales' chances... uh, I've had some Welsh friends messaging me saying, uh, 
I had one friend in particular message me and say, if we want to be taken seriously, we need to be getting 25 out of 25, or sorry, 20 out of 20 points from this pool. We need to be getting bonus points victories in every game. And I, t- I just can't think like that. I just can't think like that. Wales have got a fragility to them that we haven't managed to shake off, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later when we cover the the, the Wales game, where we can be, I've seen us be three scores ahead in too many games and throw it away now. So I'll not be relaxed. Fortunately, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to watch the next game because I'll be traveling because I'll be in France. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. What was the last, not, the last game between game. Wales and Australia? That was the one last year, Pivex last match, right? Oof, yeah, Pivex last uh, match, we were t- 20 <laughs> points ahead with 20 minutes to go and yeah. lost, which is so <laughs> rare. It's, it's, it's so, like that never happens. It, it doesn't, it's not just like a exciting thing. At test match level, Throwing a lead away like that never happens, and we did it. So, and we also do uh, going on about Wales, but we have an ability to pick up yellow cards in the final twenty minutes of games. So that we pick up three yellow cards at the same time is just so. Yeah, no, I, I I'll be confident when it's over. <laughs> oh, there was an Aussie team with what um, Rennie coaching. Hooper was there. Cooper, I think, was there as well. There were a few different guys for Aussie. I think Foley was ten, was he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. it was outside the test window. I want to say it was all this it year. Was, yeah. I it was the week wrong. after Australia ran Ireland close. Yeah. Yeah. And sh- and should have beaten Ireland really, and then they obviously go twenty points behind, and everyone thinks, "Oh no, the wheels are falling off." But no. <laughs> so much has happened <laughs> since then. <laughs> this is not that positive um, team, definitely. No. <laughs> no, it's really not, and it's. I, I was hoping to have an Australian guest on for for this one. They couldn't make it, and. If they had, it would have been a very interesting conversation because it is. There's a lot of question marks hanging over them. There's that's that's one thing for sure. And the side that had the most question marks hanging over them coming into this was their pool C, pool C, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, pool C rivals in Wales. They came out twenty eight eight victors over Portugal. And I must say, this was a thoroughly enjoyable game. It, like from start to finish, I really enjoyed it myself. And you will start with you from your your Welsh perspective like, again, talking about Wales. It's like an obsession with these Irish lads um but you can't really be too critical of getting the 10 points out to you know straight away two games 10 points two try bonus point wins this time with a rotated team and to be quite honest like it's not like Portugal were bad Portugal were really really good in that first half probably hit a bit of an energy wall midway through the second half but certainly gave it a, a really good crack yeah, that's something we're seeing a lot with the tier two, so-called tier two sides, isn't it? That they're good for 50, 55 minutes and then they fall away, which used to be the case for a lot of uh, Six Nations teams as well, are playing against the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. Um, but from a Wales point of view, I'm glad someone enjoyed it because I didn't. Um, <laughs> it's, it was a gambit from Gatland. I think this is, well, I don't think I know, this is Gatland's fourth World Cup with Wales and we've gone out in painful scenarios every time under Gatland there was obviously the red card in um, 2011 and then we went through a, an actual pool of death in 2015 with uh, which didn't have any lightweights like Scotland in it it had uh, <laughs> uh, obviously England the hosts Australia and Fiji who who weren't they're not today's Fiji but they were still brutal and then in 2019 we had Australia Fiji again and both all of those World Cups, we went out because we were just spent. We we were we'd run our race. We had nothing left in the tank. So I think Gatland 
is looking at it now like if I can get away with a pool game where I don't have to put any effort or preparation in at all where I can just pick any old team and chuck them out there I don't I mean there are professional sides so I'm sure this isn't true but I can imagine that they didn't do any prep they maybe did a couple of powerpoints on watch out for this watch out for this watch out for this and then go out and just do it they are we didn't run any big plays we didn't have anything special prepared for Portugal we just kind of winged it we got away with it I would say that we got away with it getting the bonus point but I think Gatland will very quickly park it and just say job done move on um we've seen in the past like in the 2019 World Cup when the typhoons hit and the teams that had games cancelled due to the typhoon progressed a lot further because they had that extra down week um and I think that's what Gatland was trying to create here was an extra down week um, but from a Portugal point of view, it was great to see them get a run out um, and it was great to see them score a really lovely try. I will point out, though, from, from a Wales point of view, Portugal didn't threaten from open play. They obviously scored mm. that really nice worked um, no-look pass down from the line out. But from open play, they didn't really threaten our 22 at all. Um, they had they with a lovely yeah. chase down tackle and that was... Yeah. That was yeah. <laughs> That was a good one. And that was that's good to see because we follow this out, I think, doesn't get the admiration he deserves. I think he is in, in, in a level of player that I don't think people like to talk about with Welsh players, to be honest. Um, I think if he was a Kiwi, people would be going, oh, my God, this guy. Um, and I think he would be getting, I, I put him above Surveyor, definitely. Ooh. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 don't, I don't hesitate in saying that. I put him above Surveyor. I put him above... There was a while um, back whenever there's a Lions tour comes around, everyone goes, oh, Billy Vonapolar or Tolupi Falatau. And I'm like, guys, why are we having this conversation? You're on the right podcast for that um, for that answer <laughs> that you're going to give. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, we, although people say, oh, we expected more and more from Wales. Any Welsh fan who's watched Gatland play a TT team has seen that game a thousand times. Because every autumn he puts out a scratch team that's never played before. That team had no cohesion. I'm trying to think in my head. Have Gareth Anscombe and Lee Harpenny ever played before as 10-15? I couldn't think, couldn't think of a game. Um, so, like I said, job done. Forget about it. On to, on to bigger and better things, hopefully. Absolutely. And I, I, I suppose there's, there's... When you talk about Tier 2 teams, you don't want to be disrespectful. I'm not on about Wales there now, in case you're wondering. You, you, you mm-hmm. have to give Portugal their credit and they were really, really good. And yet there's only one thing that we can talk about from Portugal, and that is that line-out try. You know, the smirk on the hooker's face before he went to throw. You knew they were going to do something special, and they did. And, well, like, these are the these are the moments that last because, like, that's their, their first try. This World Cup, and, like, they've only been to one World Cup previously. And when you talk about the bigger picture, which is always important to bring it back to, that's going to be a moment that's going to, transcend this tournament in so many ways yeah sorry well, yeah sorry yeah sorry no no i lost i lost you sort of halfway through that which i imagine was the point <laughs> when you said my name um, <laughs> no worries sorry just just rephrase that for me once what what more time so i can make sure i definitely get it right i'm, I'm just saying that the the try itself and the fact that portugal haven't been to too many tournaments like they're the moments that that last and it's it's great to see and the the nature of the try the move that it was was just fantastic Massively, um, a lot, a lot of the time in in the build up to, for example, with um, 
uh, Namibia in, in their game against New Zealand. We talked about when they last faced in the World Cup, Namibia getting that one score uh, mm. against New Zealand and that it was sort of almost written down in folklore, um, really, uh, uh, amongst Namibians uh, in terms of that score against the All Blacks. I mean, Portugal have had a... A, a pretty rough road to get to um uh, to get to a world cup um that's an achievement in itself um it's it not necessarily is an end goal but it's uh for, for, an, for an ambitious tier two nation um but it's uh, a, a certainly a starting point so so to get a try in uh, yeah as you mentioned a really well worked try um not a fluke not an intercept not a piece of poor welsh play but um to 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 get it to get it through the hands and, and to score in that fashion i think is um is is something they can they can take a lot of promise out of not only throughout the rest of these pool stage games which become fairly elementary um now and sort of just uh are ones that they can just sort of learn from um with obviously no real look on to, to to further afield in this t- uh, competition but also build and i'd love to see a few more tier two nations really knocking on the door it will it will be great that's what this tournament was was destined for when we when we previewed it we thought there was a big moment in them we thought georgia put up more of a fight against against australia but who knows maybe georgia will take fiji and throw that group wide mm. open again we don't know and like yeah. you imagine as slight we kind of <laughs> don't want to see it because we all are on the fiji bandwagon since 2003 or whenever but it, it could well happen and I suppose one bandwagon that that people were on before was Japan unfortunately they fell to your nation uh, England will in Nice 34-12 that one was and it's a weird one in so many ways because like last week you can say England were convincing but sloppy but at the same time Japan so many handling errors letting them down at the wrong time like it was and it was a very good English performance that was also very underwhelming. So it it's hard to say anything apart from, well, a win is a win because it's so hard to read into it. It's these first two games for England have been so frustrating for an English fan to try and convince anyone else that maybe their run into the World Cup was not necessarily the continued performance that we're going to get here. You've got two sides in in Argentina and Japan who have pulled off massive upsets on multiple occasions um, throughout the last sort of four or five years. And and in those particular games, um, they they've they've shown some real promise and real skill. Um, they both had absolute stinkers against England, um, and uh, England on 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 both occasions have come out have come out with wins. And it's really difficult to try and explain or try and highlight any do gooding of of England when when you're coming up against opposition that are uh, that are just having off days. Um, but I mean. The, the the tactical approach from Japan was very unorthodox. Steve Borthwick mentioned that in his sort of post-match interview. He he almost admitted the fact that he was very confused by the kicking orientated sort of design that, that, that Japan went for. Um uh which England, I don't know whether I genuinely don't I'd love to know whether their kicking game was on the fly and whether, especially from Mitchell, I think they had 18 kicks uh, from hand from George Ford, 14 from Alex Mitchell. Um, uh, but obviously a few of those, I mean, a few of them went dead. Um, when they had uh, kick this kicking on the front foot, which obviously Borthwick used a lot with Leicester, um, which is how they won the Premiership. Um, were kicking kicking on the front foot, sort of this new age sort of way that kicking should be appreciated within rugby union. 
Um, but it seemed to be a bit butchered in places by England. England were booed by their fans in these. I think that was the French. I think we can we'll all see a lot more French. <laughs> I, I mean that, but that is that is what the media have taken from it. That was the headline when I woke up on Sunday, uh, on Monday morning, or this morning, in fact. Um, uh, saw on rugby pass, uh, England booed in Nice, and 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 it's so. Tap the sign. It, Kaylin, yeah, yeah, sorry, Rugby Pass are, are owned by World Rugby, but they only seem to talk about England. That, that just has to get a mention. Yes, no, no, you, you're not wrong. Um, but I, I just think it was a, a, a really, a really odd performance to sort of um, try and pick apart. But now with with Chile on the horizon, you bring Owen. Where do you bring Owen Farrell back in? That's a question for a whole different podcast. He's got to go to twelve, surely. Going on like this, <laughs> let a Southern Hemisphere person who has won three World Cups tell you guys, you do not Margie. need to have every good player on the field at the same time. Yeah. Put the man on the they bench. Don't have 15 good players. <laughs> Just put the man on the bench. Well, Someone well, has to miss out. That's what happens. Ca- if, he, that's just what how rugby works. <laughs> I think I think I think it's moving him to twelve or having Tulangi. Tulangi made three runs um, of a uh, for a twelve meter gain um, during his um, uh, match against Japan. Um, so that is a for what Tulangi is there for, which is to to make gains. He made none over a seventy minute performance. Obviously, he came off uh, uh, Ollie Lawrence. Um, so I wonder whether within that 12 channel, he's really being appreciated, uh, especially in international rugby in 2023, where defences are nigh on impossible uh, to break through. When was the last time you saw a significant line break uh, between two tier one nations uh, up against each other in sort of in, in international France rugby? France against Scotland the other day. <laughs> OK, uh, well, I'm, I'm Irish, so <laughs> Ireland have line breaks coming out their ears. Well, also, but... Uh, Ireland, Ireland do it very cleverly through first phase, first phase moves and maneuvers. Yeah. And defenders really pressing them. A physical on physical, you don't, never see any bump offs of people no. running through like those Manu Tuolangi clips that we all saw in 2011, 2012 of him playing for England and running right in the Premiership, not a, not international level. Exactly, which is which is why the translation happens with um with, with England and those Premiership lovers that say, oh. Why isn't Max Malin starting for England? Why isn't Bernard or Zach Mercer, these players who have these bump offs and line breaks week in, week out? It just doesn't translate international rugby. International rugby. I wonder where that's the same with Manny Tuolangi. Do you drop him, bring Owen Farrell in? I mean, you, this chilly week's almost come as a bit of a blessing. You've then got Samoa, who were again kind of like a, a very similar sort of um, beast to that of Japan and Argentina. England win that game, people go, oh, well, you were supposed to be Samar. Samar, you were supposed to be Samar. England lose that game, and then it's pff, England done, ruined. They're going through to the quarterfinals, but they're, they're, they're not going to get anything from it. This is arguably, uh, it's, I don't know if whether it's my English bias coming across, but is this is this a weird group of death? For England, uh, specifically, yeah. uh, in terms of in terms of having th- three banana skins, I'd actually chuck in chili as well. Go on, four <laughs> banana skins, um, to which everyone will you'll be underappreciated when you beat them, but be absolutely pressed on if you were to slip up in any way. It's um, it's it's seemingly how England like to 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 p- present their rugby at the moment, but it's um. A head scratcher for sure. 
there's and there's, there's so much to take away just just from that. Like you go on about Premiership players possibly being overhyped, but then you look at someone like Jack Willis, who was integral to Toulouse going all the way, stepped in for Anthony Chalange, one of the best back rowers in the world, and he can't get an English bench by Benley Vonipola, who's blowing after five minutes. And like you do wonder with Borswick, is there a Premiership bias? And then you look at the kicking game that won him the Premiership. Like for all the excitement, it has been won by the most front up teams. And I'll throw it over to you, Ryan, because four mm. years ago we were told South Africa were ruining rugby. There was too much kicking. <laughs> they were kicking at the wrong times. And now here we go. We we look at England and they're being told the exact same thing. The only difference is, I would ask, I would I would say is South Africa had Willie LaRue, they had Lacanio Am, they had mm. incredible ball players across the midfield and you know, I know people said, well, Pollard isn't the most attacking tent, but they had it around him. De Allende, you know, mm. um, LaRue, that spine. England on the flip side, you know, I think uh, Tualangi and Martin only combined for like eight or nine passes in the entire game. Yeah. Freddie Stewart had a number of, of cheap handling errors. You Like, I suppose, not asking you to, to go full South African or, or the saviors of rugby here, but as someone who has been told that this brand doesn't work. It feels like the plan is okay. The execution is just a mile off. Um, I, I've I've been thinking about it for a while now. I, I, I recognize this game plan like it's the back of my hand. This is also what we used, obviously, to win. It's 10-man rugby, kick it into the sky and have a very good chase. Or if it's being kicked back at you, have a very good high ball defense. And then along with that defense, have a good pack, uh, with like that kicking game, have a good pack and have a good defense. This is all rugby 101. Um, I just think it's it's a big issue has been um, we, we didn't see George Ford for so long. He's come back and it's all of a sudden started looking a lot better. Um, I've always said that the best teams are built around a single club. Ireland is Leinster. Um, New Zealand is the Crusaders. South Africa while people say we're from all over the world, the core of that team is the Stormers. Most of those guys played together for many years at the Stormers. England now have one more piece of the Leicester Tiger puzzle there. They've got um, um, George Ford in. Uh, who was the who was outside of him? Was it Atkinson or something? Who were, did, did they have? Did Leicester have a heavy twelve running next to George Ford? I can't remember. Uh, they'd have that like, Matt Scott. Uh, I'm pretty sure was there during um, that um, final. Who's that? Is he a big? I zoned out when Rian said Stormers because all I know is they didn't win the URC this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he. he Neither was... did you, the Leinster boys, so. Uh, I'm uh, a Monster Man now, thank you very much. Guy Porter. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was quite a heavy runner. Um, yeah. Matt was the, uh, the, the Scotland centre. <laughs> Um, yeah, and who, Freddie Stewart at fifteen, obviously. Freddie Stewart at fifteen, and then yeah. um, uh, Harry Potter on the wing. Um, yeah, and the heavy ball carrier in Visa at eight. So Nadolo as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm seeing him. And he's starting to slowly reproduce that team um, on the field now. He's he's got Tuilagi. I'm happy with Tuilagi staying on. Um, he's got Freddie Stewart, obviously George Ford. You need an eight. You need. I uh, feel like. 
Benin Villapolo spent. You need a heavy ball carrying eight. Unfortunately, every eight in the Premiership is South African, so yeah. you need to maybe bring in some <laughs> some yeah. Jif rules into the English Premiership, so you can just but, start developing some some big number eights to to replace Villapolo. Yeah. And then I'm happy. Just just tell everyone, bugger off, we're winning. If we're winning, why are you upset at us? Uh, uh, the World Cup in, in South Africa, none of us were sad that we scored a few tries and kicked a lot, especially against that Welsh team in the semi-final. Winning by one point was the best feeling in the world. We still went on to a final. That's all that matters. Winning is all that matters. Absolutely. And we we, we do need to move on. We've only covered um, three three <laughs> games so far. Um, but to be fair, very very good conversation. But a team who will also take that mantra is France. They rotated typically France are, you know, I know we slag hard about being cohesion RFC. France are cohesion RFC as well. And when you when you take out a couple of the parts, they don't look the same. Hugh, I'll throw it to you because you were um glued to this one. A lot of us were, to be fair. Um Thursday night rugby, who could ever complain? But this was it felt like a very good Uruguay performance and a very error strewn French one. But it it just it made for fun in a weird it went on it felt like it went on forever in that regard but also felt like it flew in in another way because penalties versus good rugby yeah it did feel like it went on for a long time but it was a great game we kind of on the pirate pod we picked uruguay as like one of these guys are are serious these aren't like a flash in the pan they they along with georgia and you saw the way that their captain talked after the after the game Uruguay, uh, we're not here to be tier two. We're here to be serious rugby force. We're here to to be at the top table. Thanks very much. Uh, in the very same way that Georgia have been, and they were, they managed to put together a much more complete performance than a lot of the um, the other tier two sides have managed to do. They they're clearly a, a cut above the likes of um, Chile and Namibia, which is great to see. Um, it was a very at times drawn out game um i think there was 31 penalties given in total 16 for one side 15 for the other um so which is a lot of penalties for a game normally you see one side in the high teens maybe not both that's quite unusual uh going back to france's cohesion though um the interesting thing about what france have been doing and it's quite world cup centric is that rather than playing sort of like some of a team and mix it up with another team and kind of trying different things. France have been very much operating 18 B team. So mm. they've had the one with like DuPont, Untermac, Audrey and things in it. And then the the other team. So like in the summer, there was the team that played away at Scotland and then there was a different team played at home to Scotland. And then there was a different, the first team again played at home to Fiji. So, but for some whatever reason that didn't work. I don't know whether it's because the injuries to the first team meant that those second choice players were now playing in the first team. We saw that France had to go to the bench. There was like the moment it was like, oh crap, break glass, deploy Audrey, you know, type um, moment in the second half. Um, but yeah, it was. The thing what I will say about Uruguay that for all amazing that they were, they didn't kick hardly at all. They, and we see that in kind of the seconds. Uh, in the two teams we're seeing uh, that they have gaps in the game for Uruguay I think kicking was the thing so their kick to pass ratio was 1 to 9 so anything above 1 to 6 is like ridiculously not kicking so a 1 to 9 um, 
kicked a pass tells me that they they were keeping it in hand and they scored two great tries. Especially the second try was thrilling. But yeah, they kind of that's the next step for them. Um, but hopefully, that's on the back of this performance, there are people showing we need to see these guys more. We need to see the teams playing against these more. And it feels like Uruguay have got the the motivation to do that, which is fantastic to see. And and we we talked about it on last night's part about Tonga is if we keep coming back to the same conversation every four years. We need to see more of Uruguay, more of Tonga, more of you know Japan or whoever. But then World Rugby goes in and basically asks Sanzar and the Six Nations to make to structure the international game for them and then they leave out these teams. So like if we're back here in four years time, don't be surprised. Don't, don't say that we said any different because I think we can all agree. We would not be surprised if we don't see any more of Uruguay and so on. And I I don't want to get into, you know, card talk and, and all that because it's, there's, there's enough of that going on. So just on France and I'll come to you for this one. Will like, it still feels like they have a long way to go in terms of, you know, just beat Italy. But I suppose, looking back on previous World Cups, do you think there's a fear that they could possibly start to come in cold? Because by the time they play that quarterfinal, um, it would have been about five weeks since the French game. You know, that our French game, apologies, the New Zealand mm-hmm. game. So is there a chance they could come in cold, especially when you see a night like last night where, or last Thursday night even, where they just never really got going. And it, it can happen in World Cups. Absolutely, momentum is 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 the key to 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 any successes, and uh, especially in a cup format like this, where you get to a certain point within after your first two games, you basically need to win every game until the final. Um, uh, you, you kind of have two two grace periods, or you're allowed one sort of wobble, and and and, and then that's it. And with with France, maybe typically French, as Hugh was sort of saying, they're kind of they they're just rolling the dice quite a lot, and uh, and getting away with it in places. I I, I think it is that coherence. It is that um, they they slightly banked on being able to put out two fifteens at pretty much any point, as they have throughout the run up to this World Cup. Uh, you then um, lose you, you you lose your fly half. Um, any team that loses their fly half, I say that when we look at Fiji, but any team that that, that loses their, their their fly half is always going to have um, a, a few growing pains after, um, especially when uh, you, you're bringing in um, Jalibert, who I think has, has not necessarily had the opportunities that he probably would have got if he were, if, if Intermac wasn't sort of so instated so early in his career. Um, so yeah, I think, I think France, funnily enough, after coming in as sort of hot, hot, hot favorites for, for many people have had, um, uh, uh, a mere start to their home world cup and, um, no, don't really have any games in the calendar that they can pin for to rectify the situation necessarily and to reinstate that confidence and momentum, uh, until the quarterfinal. So um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they pan out. Yeah, can I just make sorry? Can I just make one last point on um, on France cohesion? So you say about what Fiji have done. I think the the advantage that Fiji have got is that all of their halfbacks, all three nines and Munz and Teller, um, all play for the Drua. So they they've got that there. 
Um, whereas France obviously have 14 now elite teams. Now, the interesting thing about that is that if you break down by club what France is selecting from, they only, I think, 80% of their squad only comes from five clubs. Um, mm. And there's like the half of the top 14 hasn't got a representative in the French squad, which is quite, you know, mad. And it's very different to say what England are doing. But even so, even with only limiting yourself that much, deliberately limiting yourself that much, it's still not giving you the advantage of only having one or two clubs gives you. So, and and you're right, I, I think it's a really good point about if that second string had have had Jalibert in it rather than Hastoy, you know, this isn't a comment about how good Hastoy is. I'm talking about the cohesion that they have. So I think that's a really good point as to what maybe has destabilized that, that France B team. It's also important to note that France with Dupont, Aldrit and Dante are an incredible mm. team. Yeah. France, when you take out those three, are they come back to the chase and pack a little bit, you know? And that's Antoine mm. Dupont's the best rugby player in the world. I think Jonathan Dante, you know, I think he's the most important twelve or at least the most important center in the world to how their team works. And you know, Aldrit is just Aldrit. He refuses to play poorly. You know, less than seven out of ten, and. And I, we have to keep going. I, I would like to talk about France more, but we'll, we'll definitely have more about them to, to speak about in the weeks ahead. And another um, tournament favour, we're in action at the weekend and South Africa. And Rian, we'll, we'll come to you as their, your your native country as well. You know, 76 nil win over Romania. Um, like it, it was it was bleak for them. South Africa got the bonus <laughs> point after 12 minutes. But I suppose if if I really want to... If I want to put the integral integrity side on, I'll say their death was exceptional. The fringe players impressed, but just for the week that's in it, I might as well say, how do you not get to eighty points against Romania? Because you know we managed. <laughs> we're this, kicking. So. That's all. It's just bad kicking. <laughs> Can't believe we're going to be up against Ireland with no kicker again. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but then we we gave them a try. We were good like that. We're, we're good. People. Oh yeah. I mean, at least we we know how to defend. You know, so you you score your eighty two points. We'll just know everyone um all the time. No, it was this was barely even a match. The I think a bigger um opponent was the rain more than Romania. Unfortunately, um they just did not seem to be in the same weight class. It was like guys who are professional rugby players up against maybe an under 20 side they they could not stop our counter ruck they could not stop our malls their lineouts and their scrums were nowhere it was there's not really much we can take away from this game other than um it's nice to have guys getting world cup hat-trick records and and uh um <laughs> that's about it uh we didn't we didn't get injuries that's that's about all the things we seem to be getting all our injuries in training now since marks and koch are both both hurt. That's the bigger news in, in South Africa this week. You know, other than that, Absolutely. just the big game this weekend. That's all we care yeah. about now. Yeah. And I think that's that's where I was gonna go anyway, because this game was always felt like it was just gonna be just get the win, get the bonus point win, rack up a points difference and move on to Ireland. And with that, there is the, the huge conversations. I we will have a preview to the game in full at the end of the week. So we're not going to spend an hour on the, on the Ireland South Africa game, but Ryan, yeah. Pollard comes into the squad ahead of Malcolm Marks. You know, it's, it's been claimed by some, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> you know, I'll hold my hand up as, as being someone who agrees that, you know, Joseph David isn't a great scrummager and he's not a great throw either. So maybe it is worth the risk. 
Especially He's a better scrammager and lineup player than Pollard, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Pollard is a better kicker than uh, Livock by twenty percent. So, like that yeah. could be crucial by the time you play France. And I, I can't help but feel like Pollard coming in is more about the quarterfinal. Sorry, I shouldn't assume they play France, France or New Zealand, but yeah. that's more what this is for. It feels like then. The Ireland game because if anyone knows if there's only one team who's ever done it before by losing the pool game and winning the tournament that was South Africa four years ago they know it is more important that they are right in October than now yeah that's for sure um we can't discount Scotland you guys are already talking like you've beaten them um <laughs> so I'm sure the box good will, will not want to rely on Scotland to lose to Ireland um but this is definitely, they called up Pollard because we wanted him. He would have been in the squad if it wasn't for his injury. We, we we were, no one will say it out. Well, the coaches will never say it out loud, but they were waiting for an injury so they could call him up to the squad. It just, I wish it wasn't Marks. Um, and I would much prefer Dweba on the bench against Ireland, even if he's not as good a line thrower. Um, I'd much prefer him than Furi in a scrum against your front row, you know? So this is a risk. We've been taking weird risks this whole tournament. We've had four scrum offs. We've had a seven, one split. So what's another week of weird call-ups and um, funny tactics, you know, we'll, we'll just go through this world cup, keeping people guessing. Um, and yeah, if we lose this game, it's not the end of the world as long as Scotland loses as well. Um, and then, I mean, how good is it to have, it's a bit back. We've got we're gonna have our two main probably it's a bit mustard, and then we have the Munster boys on the bench. Um so that'll make whoever's hooker feel a, a little better this week. Absolutely. And I suppose again leaning into the 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 SH1T housing of the week that's in it, Joseph Draper promised that he would F Munster up physically. He's not gonna get the chance to do it to Ireland either. So we, we wait for that promise to be to be held up by <laughs> Joseph Bieber. I've nothing against I that. I no but, storm yeah. is bad, so don't don't hold that over my head. <laughs> I thought all the players were playing for South Africa. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, no, we supply a lot of their best players to them, you know. And Tonga. And Tonga, of course. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Ah, uh, no. We, no, there's no need for that now, lads. Um, <laughs> but listen, this is the Jean Klein uh, Appreciation Society on this on this channel. So there, I swear, I swear, if, if South Africa win the World Cup, Island fans are holding John Klain shirts in the streets. No, I, no, you're getting that wrong. Monster <laughs> fans are holding John Klain up through the streets of Limerick, and people in in outside of Limerick will will not be doing that. Um, but we'll we'll move on to. You mentioned the rain was a, a big hazard, and that one the rain was a big hazard in Toulouse. It was quite literally a downpour in Toulouse, um, with the All Blacks hammering Namibia. Will you wanted to talk about this game because, frankly, it's it's not about what the All Blacks did. It's about, you know, what we're taking away from the group, the bigger picture with their selection, their tactics and all that. And one of those is the 10-15 access because to his credit, Damian McKenzie had a very, very good game. Still unsure if he can do it at test level, but with the same qualms about Richie Moonga up until about two years ago. So the, there's time, but there's definitely options there for for um, New Zealand in the 10-15, even nine access. Yeah, I think I think this game is it, it was was a really interesting one, and um, I, I'm kind of gonna um, pick up on what Rian talked about with South Africa. 
in the um the uh, South Africa against uh, a, a very a very similar side in Romania uh didn't give anything away they played um players deliberately out of position to sort of limit the, the injuries that they were going to um potentially um get in a in a physical game as such um they uh, very much kept cards quite close to their chest obviously in a very different position to france uh, to new zealand who had obviously lost to france um in, in the first in, in the first game i think in this game wanted to uh, leave a bit more of a mark sure there was rotation um but i thought uh, they played a lot of a lot of first phase moves um they uh, showed their hands in places um in terms of what they could potentially do against Italy, Uruguay and beyond. Um and with that 10-15 axis, um you almost had sort of the uh Bodie and and DMAC playing I I'd call it almost 12 and a half. Like they were playing both 10 and 15. Um you I, which which I loved watching to be fair because you usually have you'd have you'd have your, your man standing at first receiver and the pod outside and then you realize that they've got still got uh, an attacking player in the pocket outside that uh, forward pod. I mean it was it was a dangerous sight to see but I just wonder against Namibia was it necessary? Uh, was it necessary to try and show such sort of um, uh, such a tactical hand? Got a red card. Uh, Ethan De Groot's obviously not uh, an integral player necessarily to uh, not one of the first players you think of in that New Zealand team sheet, but a player who would have still played a, a mighty big hand um, within the next couple of games for New Zealand. Um, he's 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 now out for I, I think it's a two match ban. I imagine so. If I'm going to correct it, it's, it's three, and then the tackled school. You know that whole rigmarole is the week off, and that would bring him back to the quarterfinals, providing he he turns up for school. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just think I, I thought it was a really interesting, almost like deliberately morale boosting for New Zealand. I think they kind of like, they, they basically got beaten up a little bit in the school playground by a fellow year 11. So then went and picked on a load of year seven. So they make themselves feel better. It just like, it was just like, I, I you could have gone around it a bit of a different way. Um, but uh, it'd be interesting to see now where, with, with Italy in the way that they try and take on tier one nation well, they are a tier one nation in themselves but um uh, the way that they try and take on nations who have the the the, the favor uh in uh these sort of games is they will try to think in more unorthodox fashion and try and work their way around new zealand i wonder i do wonder if new zealand have shown what they could t- potentially do and that might come back to bite them uh in these uh next few pool games and certainly uh if they were to face south africa who, as we know, Razi Erasmus uh, absolutely loves looking at opposition, probably more than his own team, um, would potentially take a, a lot of tips out of uh, how they fared against this Namibian side. That's that's, that's true. Um, and like, you look at guys like say Roy Gard played well. It is Namibia. Mackenzie played well. It is Namibia. But then, to be fair, Barrett and and Wong, as some people said, they did all right against France, but they're going to need an improved performance as well. And it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't territory for New Zealand from here on in because realistically, it's New Zealand. They'll feel like they have to get to a semi-final. And if they get to a semi-final, they should get to the final because they're better than the teams on the other side of the draw. But at the same time, you know, Italy could run them close and, you know, the panics, the panic buttons will be hit again. And there's just so many 
question marks. You know, they've they've almost fallen from these are one of the main contenders into we don't know what the full picture is, like most of the teams in the as I like to say, the Barbie side of the draw of pool C and, and pool D. Um and we're we're gonna end that. <laughs> the, the, the pools of vibes, I think, is, is a better way of putting it. Um, we will end things for tonight on Pool D with the final game, which was Samoa's 43-10 win over Chile. And I know we've mentioned it about the, the France-Yorber game, but this was generally, genuinely one of the longest games ever played. This seemed to go on forever with all the TMO stoppages. Hugh, you, you claim to have sat through it. I wouldn't blame you if you, if you didn't, but I suppose kind of on the game, it was it was a good win, but as the Samoan side who are being talked about as a potential upsetter, you know, could they possibly give um I was gonna say Samoa give Argentina a game? Could they give England a really good game with their style? You know, this it feels like they have the ammunition to do so, but then at the same time, we have to step back. It was a Chile side who weren't it felt like they were better against Japan than they were this week and, and so on. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think Samoa took a long time to warm into this game. They obviously took their shots at goal and and um, got 12 points on the board um, for the majority. I think they scored right at the end of the first half, uh, their first try with a, with a bit of a breakaway. Um, but yeah, the, you have to remember how few games Samoa have played over the last four years. And now you're adding in all those new players, which are upgrades on the players they previously had. Um, but they haven't played together. They've had no time to gel. Um, it was interesting to see Leila uh, Fano um, get the nod over Sopoanga, who'd played in the last two games. I think mm. uh, Leila Fano's um, probably got a few Australian people looking a bit wistfully at him right now. Uh, I think he had a, a, a very good game. I think he's been he's possibly too old the. For the... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe. But um, he, uh, I think he, he's been the best addition that Samoa have had. Um, I, I, again, a bit like um, some of the other games we talked about, we saw the difference between like a, a tier two and a, and a just becoming tier two team in that Samoa's um, game is a lot more complete. Uh, there's a lot more to it. And I think they had a a much more sophisticated game that took longer to get going than Chile's quite simple game that started well and then fell away. Um, Chile actually... Um, made a lot more meters in this game but i think that's more to do with that it's all about their running obviously their first try with fernandez that amazing dummy which then set it up but i think their attack is much more about one player bursting through and doing something amazing and then them capitalizing on that whereas samoa's attack is much more creating things we saw the try at the beginning of the second half in the corner where there was lots of like very intricate passing and things and a, a great finish for them to get it through. So I think, like I said, I think there was a step change between the two. I do think that Samoa are better than Japan. Um, obviously, they beat Japan in what was a, a terrible game in the Pacific Nations Cup um, just gone in this summer, but I would expect them to repeat that. Um, but they got Argentina this weekend, and I've got to tell you, I've got no idea what's going to happen in that game. I've got absolutely no idea which way it's going to go, which is going to make it exciting. But there'll probably be cards in it um, because both Chile and Samoa got two yellow cards each in this game. Um, and you've got the whole Lavanini and Crema thing from Argentina to come. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it could it could be ugly. It could not be a spectacle against Argentina, but I can tell you now I've got no idea who's going to win it, which makes it exciting. Yeah, no, it is. And it's, I, I said before, 
I don't know if it was when I spoke to you yourself, Hugh, when we did the preview, or if it was kind of after Ireland played them. But it feels like Samoa's game plan is is it's almost made for for games like these, where they're just going to kick the letter off the ball. They're going to rely on some really good experience of Lelefano, Sapoanga, Suteni, guys like that. You know, McFarland to to do well and hit the line out. You know, their back row to to cause just just cause havoc. And you never know. You you really don't. But the other side of it is. You know, Michael Cheka is known for being firm with players. Well, if he's firm with Argentina after the last time, they're either going to come out here and absolutely wipe the floor with Samoa or they're going to be emotionally spent. So he needs to find the right balance as well because they've had a week off at the wrong time Um, in that one. And I, I might just finish with yourself, Ryan. Like Argentina were a team that a lot of people tipped, but they did make a, a lot of changes through the rugby championship, as you'd have seen. And it's mm. probably hauled to them a small bit coming coming into this tournament. Oof, it was uh, was such a disappointing performance against England. I called Argentina not to win that one. I don't think I've ever seen them play that poorly. I can't imagine they would be that bad again. They could not hold on to a ball. They couldn't put phases together. The discipline was shocking. So, um if they play to what I know how they could play, I mean, Ellis Park this year was, uh, I was there. I was um, terrified of losing to them. Um, if they play like they can play, like we know they should be able to play. They, they're they very inconsistent. They should be able to take Samoa. Samoa's good. I, I do like their players, but um, Argentina just, I don't know. The, there's a thing with Michael Checa. He's also got that Eddie Jones, Mourinho issue where he's good for 18 months and then the team starts getting a bit over it. He's a very emotional, uh, angry person if you, if you start losing. So hopefully he's learned over the years to channel that a bit better and he can get this Argentina team to be come back to. They, they're a very effervescent team if they're happy. They, they run it very well. They're very good at offloading. Um, they have one of the best back rows in the world. Gonzalez is oof, one of my favorite new back rows in the world. So as long as they keep it a, a little bit more simple, um, they have a good kicking game and and just good, um, what's it called, this discipline, they should be able to take Samoa. Um, I don't think they should be scared of them as long as they don't play like they did against England. That won't win you many games. No, it really won't. And mm. It's, there's a couple of games this weekend. I might just really quickly run through them before we finish things. That you know, from the outside, if you're if you're not a big rugby fan, you might be taken back and saying there's only two big games. But you've got Italy against Uruguay. Uruguay will be they'll be humming a small bit. Mm. Italy have to win to like it. It sounds so silly to say, but Italy can't afford to be going through World Cup qualifiers for 2027 when yeah. they have this incredibly talented team. So they have to go out and perform. That's on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon rugby. That is <laughs> that is the dream spot right there. Yeah. I wish I was still in college for it um, and doing no work because of it. Thursday night France against Namibia. That's not one of the games that'll that'll whet yeah. the appetite. Argentina against Samoa is on Friday afternoon. As we said, that that promises to be a big one in the context of Pool D and potentially a second place. Who comes out in second place there? Yeah, you know the winners of that. Georgia take on Portugal on Saturday afternoon at one o'clock, and you know even even that like Georgia need me. need a response, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you yeah. you might just take that there, Rain, if you if you want, like because Portugal play nice rugby, Georgia are forward oriented, but Georgia need to win. They need to perform better than they did last time out. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm very keen to see that one. Not just because my my in laws are all Portuguese. Um, they they just seem like a side. They've got a very good um back row as well. Uh, the guy who scored the try, uh, what's his name, Nicholas Martins. He's a very good back rower as well. And then um, they just, it's been weird. Chile kind of dropped the ball, but all the 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 sides from South America, Argentina, obviously now tier one, but Uruguay, Portugal as well, they all have much better defense than I think a lot of people were expecting. They, they and Romania and Namibia, they are taking floggings where all these other teams are staying in the game. They're keeping some teams down to six points a half. Um, and if they can do that against Georgia, we saw Georgia in the second half, they they panicked uh, against Australia. And if, if Portugal can keep that defense as good as they did against Wales, uh, I think we can have a, a bit of an upset here. Portugal's only ever drew drawn against Georgia. They've never beaten them. But that's um, that's... Yeah. The draw was, I think, in 2021. So it's not that long ago. There is a chance that that this could be a bit of a boil over. I'm very excited to see. I think I think it will be a good one to watch. And the people who are listening to this are big world, you're big rugby fans. And now you're just after telling them that they should go and sit down and spend their Saturday afternoon sitting down watching Georgia against Portugal. I don't think they're gonna they're either gonna love your hatred for that, Ryan, but it's it's well <laughs> sold. To. This um, one for the perverts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Saturday afternoon, then England against Chile. We briefly discussed it earlier. Will you know? Did if just one quick question on it? If you were Steve Borthwick, do you double down with team selection, or or do you mix it up? Do you think because they they have to go out there and, and win convincingly? You'd feel like massively. You've but you you've also got players um that, that we have mentioned who who currently grace that England squad who. Are, are yet to sort of uh, lace their boots. And um, I, I wonder whether this is a chance. I, I wonder really whether this is a chance to freshen up that back three. Um, uh, you've, at the moment, somehow, Johnny May is once again playing in a World Cup. Um, I, I don't really know what's happened there. Dan Cole. <laughs> Dan Cole. I kind of like, I, I, I shut my eyes and opened it again and Johnny May was playing in the World Cup again. And I was like, sorry, what? Um, and but, Elliot Daly on the other wing. And Elliot Daly. <laughs> I, I, I expected Mike Brown to walk out uh, and then Stuart Lancaster to start talking. And then Danny, I was Kerr was, Danny Kerr was there, thereabouts. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> um, but I'd, I'd just love to see someone like Henry Arundel. Um, remember him? Um, I mean, goodness no. me, <laughs> he's he's kind of he's kind of fallen off the face of the earth uh, after London Irish's demise. It hasn't really had much game time for England. Um, if Freddie Stewart has been hot and cold, I wonder whether you chuck him in the fifteen shirt. Maybe even God put Smith in the fifteen shirt. He seems to be getting on there. He's been going well a, a mm. lot of the time, and 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 sure, why not? It's let's let's see Borthwick. Let's see Borthwick try and push the boat out because I, I wonder whether it might I think a win a win is firmly on the cards but maybe even just to sway English media from calling him boring old Steve Borthwick it could be a way to it could be a way to try and sway the tides would would England still kick it 40 times a game oh absolutely if... yeah but at least we'd be doing it with different people on the field <laughs> sure. the, the Saturday night game is is one of the most hotly anticipated pool games ever South Africa against South Africa against Ireland were number one against reigning champions 
the two we'll new beasties in world rugby yeah. exactly <laughs> two URC frenemies we'll talk about that yeah, John Klein Dobby ah no come on come on now less about John Klein we, we will talk about that on Thursday so people were not skipping over on purpose Wales against Australia is the Sunday night the big Oof. one Hugh Oof. I would I'm sure we'll be chatting in in due course but not on this podcast are you confident Wales can get the job done if um, sport makes sense. Uh, Wales beat Fiji, Fiji beat Australia, so Wales should be even better than Australia. Sport doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the world doesn't work like that. I have no doubt. Uh, I'm going to miss this because I'm going to be in France and I'm going to Scotland versus Tonga and I'll be travelling back whilst this game is on. And I'm kind of glad because I'll tell you what, watching no. Wales takes years off your life. Um, <laughs> and, and Scotland uh, doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> not for me no, it's not yeah, it's years awesome. my life. wait till you hear Eddie um, Jones calls up Kurtley Beal in the week or something <laughs> oh my god is he is that allowed is he not in custody currently or maybe not Ooh. maybe he's just avoiding it we can't um, be saying things like that lads. I do not have lawyers <laughs> <laughs> um, fun fact I uh, I used to live in an apartment in Leamington which Kurtley Beal lived in before me so I used to get Kurtley Beal's post you ever so turn on a black it. light <laughs> no, I, I, I will tell you that uh, the sofa had a huge dent in it where obviously he used to sit. Okay, less the currently being talked as I have to intervene now. Uh, so, yeah. uh, Do you think yeah, they got the job so done? We should, we should, but I've got absolutely no doubt that with five minutes to go, we'll have two men in the sin bin and Australia will be one point behind. And Dan Bigger will be absolutely bollocking someone, whether he's on the yeah, pitch yeah. or not. And the, the other game is Scotland against Tonga. We briefly talked about this in the Ireland review Tonga or Ireland Tonga review pod um it feels like if Tonga had another week maybe they could give Scotland a rattle but just it's hard it's hard to see it isn't it just they don't seem to have the cohesiveness at the moment they look like a team who who haven't been playing and if, if nothing else Scotland are, are well are well drilled side so I think we could all assume Scotland will get through that and get their tails back up again but you never know it is Scotland a good they could make it very entertaining on Sunday night. Lads, I will be speaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. It's, we don't call him Finn Sanity for, for no reason. <laughs> Guys, I, it's been a really good pod. It's Thank you so, so much for taking the time tonight to, to join me. And I'll have you on across the World Cup, of course. And Rian, of course, this week, we'll, we'll probably have you on again this week as a count of the, 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 the small affair of the, the yeah, Pool, D decide, or Pool B decider. <laughs> If if we're not under you know underselling Scotland, of course, and I'll be back in midweek with extensive Ireland South Africa coverage, and yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. It's a big one. It's a lot of yeah. expectation here in Ireland. It feels like we win this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to put it into words, <laughs> but you you get the the hype and where it's at at the moment. So again, thanks very much, lads, for for joining me and for those at home listening. I hope you enjoyed it as as much as I did, and I apologize for any technical difficulties we may have had during during the middle of the podcast. And if you do like what you see or hear, please do subscribe. You'll find the links for my channels down below and as well for the guy's Twitter pages and in Rian's case, his, his YouTube channel down below as always. But for now and until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.